Greetings and welcome to the Above and Not Beneath podcast. I'm Robin Sears, your host, and I'm excited to take you on a journey towards discovery and inspiration. We'll meet extraordinary women who have overcome incredible obstacles, and throughout the series, you'll be uplifted by their resilience and motivated by their unwavering courage as they forge a new path forward. We'll also explore the organizations that support and stand alongside them in their journey. So get ready to be empowered and join us as we dive into the world of these brave women. Hello, Lanita. Hey, Robin. (laughs) I am so excited to see you and you have so much energy that I know this is going to be fun for us to have this conversation. Yes, it is. I am thrilled to be here. Yeah, well, I'm thrilled that you are here. Um, So Lanita, would you just introduce yourself? Tell me a little bit about kind of who you are personally and professionally. Absolutely. So I am Lanita Mitchell Blackwell, the intuitive business coach. And Robin, I got to tell you, I've been very blessed, very fortunate favorite in my life to have accomplished many things. I have alphabet soup. I'm an attorney, a CPA, an ordained minister, certified life coach, and all this other wonderful stuff, right? Mm -hmm. But the person that I think that your listeners probably need to meet is the one who was addicted to applause. Mm -hmm. I had gotten to a place where all I wanted to hear was, oh, I'm so glad you're here. I can't wait for us to work together again. You're so wonderful. Yay, yay, yay. And Rob and I had gotten to the place where I was skipping sleep. Mm-hmm. I was skipping meals and then gorging on anything I can get my hands on. And I was exhausted in every way, mentally, emotionally, every leap. Yeah. But I kept going because I liked that feeling of being needed, of being wanted. Yeah. And it was not until my, at the time, she was six-year-old daughter, found me passed out in the middle of the floor from exhaustion. Oh, no. And instead of me tucking her in at night, she got her pillow from her bed and her Disney princess's blanket. Mm. And she put the pillow under my head and the blanket over my body and said, good night, mommy. And the only thing I had power to do strength to do was to say good night baby I couldn't get up but you know how you can know sometimes that you need to make a change in your life but you don't even know where to start that's where I was and it was not until I met Mona Shaw Joshi who was executive director of the Art of Living Foundation here in Atlanta that I learned what I needed to do. And that was to totally and completely revamp my definition of success. Mm. Because like most of us, we were told that if we got good grades and that we got a good job and we met a good person to be a life partner with and got the house, that we would be happy. But there was this void, you know, that that did not feel it like at all. And no matter what I did, organizations, degrees, accomplishments, the void was still there. And so I had to redefine what success meant to me. And what it meant was peace, joy, and fulfillment. Mm. So that is what I'm here to tell you, that you can be peaceful, joyful, and fulfilled, and still be successful. That does not mean broke. (laughs) (laughs) I got chills when you're talking about that. Because I think as women, 
particularly we push ourselves to the brink we're continually pouring out and pouring out and pouring out and pouring out and pouring out until you just hit that kind of brick wall. And I had one of those moments myself. So you're talking about that. I'm nodding my head going, yeah, yeah, I know exactly what that feels like to the point where my husband looked at me and he said, are we okay? Because I was so just, I couldn't communicate. It was, everything was like anger and frustration and I, and it, that made me stop in my tracks. And I looked at him. And I said, we are okay, but I am not, I am not okay. Oh, I like that. We are okay. I'm not okay. Yeah. yeah. And he said, quit your job. Mm-hmm. So I did. Yeah. Um, but your story really resonates because I do think that um, it is just something that as women, we're not, we're not taught we're not trained my generation. It is go, 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 go. You know, yes. you, you, you know, it's, you, you put on the, uh, the next layer of lipstick and you just keep on trucking and, That's right. and, and it doesn't serve us. Right. Not at um, all. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about your, your journey to peace and joy and your, your new definition of success. Absolutely. So I learned to meditate Mm. and I learned to breathe. I learned to pause and just be, to appreciate what I have as well as what I will have. And I really want to make the distinction here that it's not that I am no longer ambitious. It's not that I no longer work and strive and do. Because I do. I believe that is part of the human experience, that we are always looking to better ourselves, that the moment that stops, then you just go on, you know, (laughs) there's no reason to be here anymore. But I have learned to do so in a way that I'm not like, I gotta be here, I gotta be there, you know? Um, And my family appreciates that. My teen daughter definitely does. And instead of focusing on how much time it's the quality of the time we're spending together. Mm-hmm. And so my recalibration required me to redefine success. And so I went to the dictionary. And what I found is that we're always looking at someone else's definition of success or someone else's standard. Mm-hmm. That's why we're always upset. We're always tired. We're always stretching to the brink because I'm never going to be successful like Robin is successful because Robin's success is for Robin. Mm -hmm. I have to create success for Lenita. And so what I came up with was then I am striving for excellence. Mm -hmm. I'm not looking for perfection. That's someone else's standard. I'm looking for excellence and that is joy and fulfillment for me. And so that's going to look different for you than it does for me. I still like starting new businesses. I still like working with various clients. There may come a time when I don't, but that's not right now. Yeah. And I am able to be a better attorney to my law clients, a better coach to my business coaching clients, a better mother and wife to my family, because now I can ground and really appreciate where I am and still say, but I still want that too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. 
I want that, but maybe it's not, it's not never, but it's maybe not right now. Correct. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like you really learned the power of, of boundaries. Yes. I was just listening to a podcast earlier today (laughs) with, uh, Lee Harris, I believe. Mm -hmm. And he was being interviewed and, um, the interviewer said that when you know your boundaries, you have no limits. And I was like, that's perfect. Because when you know the things that hurt you, the things that will put you in a place of being back in that frenzied person that honestly you didn't like and neither did anyone else, if we're going to be honest, right? Right. <laughs> then you can go forward in the world and be fearless. Yeah. Yeah, you can. can. Yeah. Gosh, I think that's just such an, um, an alternative way to think of boundaries is that boundaries make you limitless. Yes. And that's not what I don't think, you know, we're not, we're not trained that way. It's not the conversations that we we have. Um, but I think that's, there's so much wisdom there. Yes. If we know what doesn't serve us. Yes. And serve our families or, you know, just the inner work that we're doing then, you know, if we don't know those things then we allow everything in or, and we expend all of our energy. Yes. As opposed to saying that's not for me right this minute. It's maybe something for me to consider farther down the road, but it's not for me today. Gosh, that is, uh, that is, uh, probably more wisdom. (laughs) If we can just adopt that one, that one thing, right. It is, uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot there. Well, thank you. But um, I, I have to tell you, it's a work in progress. Sure. It's one step at a time. And that is why I wrote my book, Live Life on Fire, that's peeking out over my shoulder here to really line up how I got to where I am. And so the examples that I use in my book of living a life of peace, joy, and fulfillment are all based from business. So I'm talking about interacting with law clients. I'm talking about interacting with coaching clients. I'm talking about going to school with my daughter and how she's interacting with various people because life is still lifing. It's not like we come to these wonderful epiphanies and we're like, I've arrived and then nothing else is happening. No, we're still encountering people that, well, some of them are farther along on their journeys, but a lot of them, are not as far along as we are. And so we have to be patient and kind. And if we we learn to set our own standards of excellence rather than perfection, and we learn to stop being a, a victim and beholden to FOMO, mm. and instead learn to live joyously, that was a hard one for me, Robin. I got to tell you, because I would see my friends and my colleagues doing all these great things, but they were still grinding, you know? And I, I saw their faces. I saw the hard lines, right? I I saw the stress. I could feel the energy coming off of them. Of the, I can, I can say it, almost terror, you know? Yeah, yeah. Of being shown up, of being pushed aside, of every ism, be it uh, ageism or sexism, that something was going to knock them off of their game. And I and I look at that and, and now I can say, I'm still going to get there, 
I'm still going to have that, but I won't have that energy with me. I will actually feel good about how I got here. Mm. And depending on the situation, sometimes you might get there a little quicker because people are really happy to be around you, excited about it, as a matter of fact, and say, I just really need that in my life. Um, my podcast journey, you know, for the longest time, I was like, I got to get into the doing this. But I still had that energy on me, you know, and then when I just relaxed and let go. What did I have in my inbox but a request from the wonderful Robin here saying, I would love to have you on my show. I'm like, yes. Yes. That's right. That's right. Yeah. You just never know. I, I, I think that oftentimes when we do let things go. Yes. That they come back around to us yes. when the time is right. Yes. Well said. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, it's that grip, right. I was talking to somebody else earlier about just that, that control, right. We, we have this iron grip on the things of our, in our life that, uh, we think we can control, but uh, control is like an oxymoron, right? Like you can't, <laughs> you saw my face. Oh. It's, a, it's an illusion. It is an illusion. Um, yes. you know, it's a lie we tell ourselves, yes. uh, because we're afraid. Yes. So we live in this constant state of fear that all the things are going to go wrong. So, you know, we try to control every little detail and that control doesn't serve us. It does not. It does not. As a matter of fact, sometimes it takes us further away from our path. I had a very regimented life I and I checked off all of my boxes, but then that led to me becoming very ill because when things weren't lining up exactly as I had in mind, I would get frustrated and work that much harder to make it. You know, it's almost like the overcorrecting of the wheel and you've turned so hard, you hit that curb and now you broke the axle on your car. Well, for me, it was breaking the axle of my health. I developed stage four endometriosis, led to a radical hysterectomy, many surgeries, and I remember the last one, I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. Mm. It, enough already. There's got to be another way. Yeah. Well, it's only until you get to the place where you say, I'm ready to change. I'm committed to change. And I'm willing to leave that old life behind and do something else. I'm willing to burn it all down. Not without the fire retardant, y'all. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Remember boundaries, <laughs> but to do something for you. Yeah. As you stated earlier, particularly as women, we're always looking to take care of other people, but you cannot pour from an empty cup. If you're always excited, but you're tired and you're worried and you're stressed, then your body is going to tell you. For me, my hair started to break off. My nails were splitting down the middle and my skin deteriorated. And Robin, instead of stopping, I cultivated a beautiful wig collection that even Beyonce would just die to half. <laughs> I knew where every good nail shop was in Atlanta. <laughs> and I learned to beat my face like these girls on Instagram. They could have asked me for tips. I'm telling you. But that moment when my child found me passed out on the floor, that was, I was like, mm, we, something's got to give. 
So she was six years old when that yeah. happened. She and was then, a little girl. Yeah. And so, and she's a teenager now. She is. She is. So indeed. that's its own breed of beautiful stress <laughs> for mamas. It is. It is. I, I told her dad, I was like, you, you got to teach her how to jive. I, I don't have the nerves for that. I can do anything, but I can't do that. <laughs> that's right. Teaching kids how to drive is it's, oh yeah. That yeah. is something else. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And so you're at this beautiful place now where you are really just, your life is on fire. You're yes. teaching other people how to stop and take yes. an assessment of what is it that you're actually doing that serves you? What are you doing that doesn't serve you? Yes. And just taking a dive of like, what's your health look like? I'm sure that's probably a conversation you have often with your, with your clients because you know, you're talking about just the, um, how destructive stress is, Yes. you know, study after study, after study stress. And you know, all my clients, well, I believe most people are highly intelligent, right? Mm -hmm. We read the studies like you've read, um, reference. We watch the programs, these talk shows, there is nowhere you can turn without seeing it, but implementation is something totally different. Yeah. Walking the walk is different. Yeah. Yeah. What are some of the healthy practices that you've implemented for yourself? Absolutely. So I have a, a system. And so the first thing is breathe. So every morning when I wake up, before I grab my phone, before I talk to anybody, I come into the living room because it's quiet and I'm an early riser, so I get up before everybody else, and I just take some deep breaths and center myself. The second thing I do is I meditate and pray. And I heard um, Sri Sri Ravi Shankar say once that the difference is praying is talking to God or source, and meditation is listening. So I'm doing both. Mm-hmm. So that I can get answers to the things that are troubling me. Life is not, how does that point? Life is not always a crystal stare. <laughs> you know, yeah. some, sometimes there are things that no matter who you know, what you know, it's not serving you and you need an answer. Uh, the next thing I do is I exercise. Now, I'm not as tiny as I would like to be, like when I was back in like college and doing sports and all the rest of it. Yeah. But I do things that I enjoy. I ride my bike. I run. I sometimes walk. But I do something to move my body. And sometimes I just sit in silence. And that is practicing gratitude for what I have. And I speak positive affirmations on the things that I would like. But I always, always end with according to the good of all involved, including myself. Because as you stated earlier, Robin, sometimes it's not no, it's just not right now. Mm-hmm. And that requires patience and a trust in yourself and your journey. But that trust comes when we learn to be peaceful and joyful and fulfill where we are right now. Yeah. Um, this is... Uh... 
I think a beautiful reoccurring theme that I conversation that I keep having with, uh, with women who are just like, I've had it with the crazy and now <laughs> I'm ready to just dial it back and, uh, figure out what is for me right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love the, it's we're we're going from this thinking all about the future and, and not that it, goals are good, plan, having plans are good. All of those things are yeah. good, right? but just that constant striving, striving, striving that you miss what's right in front of you. Yes. Right. Like you're yes. talking about earlier, it's the, it it's not the quantity of time. It's the quality of time. That's right. And so, you know, um, I just over and over again, I'm having these conversations with women and he's like, I'm learning how to be right here right now. Yes. And I think, gosh, that's so powerful. And it's a powerful thing. I mean, my, my children are all grown. And so, but I, I, I didn't teach them that. Right. Because as a mom, like you're busy, you're juggling all the things and the sports and the, you know, the homework and the teachers and the relationship challenges that they have. And so you're, you're so busy, like trying to make sure you don't leave a kid somewhere. Yeah. You, you don't, right. It's like, sometimes those calendars would get really complicated. And I'm like, I need somebody to pick up a kid and I, they're not old enough to be put in an Uber, you know, so, um, that we forget, like, to just be right here right now with the person that's in, in front of us. And I love the practices that you started implementing and the, the meditation and the prayer and, um, something that I'm not good at practicing this, but I do love it. And when I remember to do it, I think, oh gosh, why don't I do this more? But it's called, um, concentric prayer and it's kind of a contemplate. It's like a contemplative practice. And it's basically like, just kind of, um, like I, I might, um, just maybe pick one, one thing. It's like, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the air that I'm breathing. And so just sitting there kind of breathing. And as my thoughts start to wander, I might, I'd say that thing to myself again. No, I'm grateful for the air that I'm breathing. Cause I'm just allowing the thoughts to not like take root and Absolutely. run away. Absolutely. And when I can do that, it's just, you know, and it's 90 seconds, right? I mean, meditation, these, you know, mindfulness, People think, oh, you have to have a cushion on a floor in the room and no, no, you can, it's 90 seconds. You can just do it anywhere. You, you know, you can do it in traffic. You know, you can breathe in traffic to, to just take yourself from like that angst and anxiety and the grabbing of the future to like, no, I'm going to sit right here in this moment. And even though I hate traffic, I'm actually going to choose to be grateful for it. That's right. Because it allows me this moment of mindfulness. Yeah. 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 Uh, Abraham Hicks had this uh, seminar and she said that if you can get into, she called it the vortex, right? Mm-hmm. That place of gratitude for 17 seconds, it can totally reset your day. And so 17 seconds, anybody who lives in a metro area, you've been in traffic longer than 17 seconds. So <laughs> next time all those lights are red, just put it in park and take your 17 seconds. That's right. That's right. Um, I was taking a mindfulness course and the instructors were talking about this study that I just thought was so fascinating. They studied two teachers and two classrooms and one teacher, uh, both teachers practiced mindfulness. One of them implemented some tools in the classroom. One did not. Okay. And what they did is that they studied the children 
and their kind of behavior and anxiety levels and, uh, and things like that. And what they found is that both classrooms had about the same benefit. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. And I thought, gosh, that's so fascinating because the teacher who practiced being present with the children, who like took a moment for herself when she was like, you know, I couldn't imagine, I'm not, a, I could not imagine being a school teacher that was never uh, th- it, wrangling that many children all at once. I just can't even imagine, Right. <laughs> but just learned how to, you know, calm herself in the midst of the mass chaos. Those children in the classroom had almost the same benefit as the children who practiced in the classroom. Wow. And I just thought, well, gosh, that's such a great testament to like us as women in the home and in our workplaces that our practices can be helpful to others without them even practicing or, or even knowing I like to do, I call them micro moments of mindfulness and it's literally like 90 seconds to two minutes and I might do it three or four times a day. Yeah. And it's whatever, sometimes it's tactile. Like I might feel my sweater, just kind of take a couple deep breaths and okay. Like I'm here right now whatever it is that was plaguing me is no longer, you know, it's just an awareness of how can I come back to being with, it's like keeping my cell phone in my purse. You know, when you're having a conversation, get it off the table. Yes. (laughs) And you know, everything that we're talking about, these practices help us to come into what I like calling flow. Mm -hmm. And flow is a place where your mind is totally focused on where you are right now and the person that you're interacting with. And so it allows you to tap into your intuitive intelligence. And this is the culmination of your emotional, your in, your intellectual, your spiritual, as well as your aggregate. And it allows you to tune into what the other person needs so that you can deliver. And I have been able to use that for the benefit of my clients to the point where I have a couple who are just like, I don't care where you go, what you're doing, I'm attached and I'm not leaving, <laughs> which I absolutely love. That is great. But yeah, it, it it is great because that is that place where you'll turn left instead of right. And you don't know why you did that, but then you look in your rearview mirror and you're like, oh, there's an accident that my navigation failed to tell me about. You know, that is the place where just today, I went to Firestone. Um, I I thought that my tire looked a little low. And when I called to make my appointment, the young lady didn't ask which tire, but she had written the correct tire. And she was like, I don't know how I did that. And I'm just like, I do. You have excellent intuitive intelligence. Mm. This is a place beyond what we see, feel, and do. This is a place of being because we are so connected with the person in front of us, the person we're dealing with, because we are being, we are acting, we're joyful, and we appreciate the moment that we're in, that we're actually able to be of service. And that's really what it's about, you know? Yeah. 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 That's really interesting. What would you, how would you coach someone who is maybe, you know, they're kind of at that place you, you were, what would you say to them, um, you know, as they're, they're trying to figure some things out? 
So the first thing that I do when I'm working with my clients is I have them do a life map. So they have to lay out everything they're involved in, that they're leading, um, even if the leadership is not actual, but it's effective. Because <laughs> just because you don't have a title doesn't mean people aren't looking to you and that you're not responsible for. And then I have them break down exactly how much time it takes and how they actually feel about those roles and responsibilities. And any that are taking time away from joy, they have to go. Any that cause angst and anxiety have to go. Just like your husband, he looked at you and said, quit your job and you did it. And I don't think that you regret it. The look on your face didn't say regret. Okay, <laughs> right? Okay. But we go through that whole process because unless or until those things move, we can't get down to the root of what is actually going on. And I and I always reassure my clients like I am not trying to take you out the game. You are still going to enjoy life. You're going to continue to strive and succeed and win awards and make money and you're going to do all those things. But we got to get you well. We mm -hmm. got to get you to a place where you can actually enjoy those things and not see them as a burden. Yeah. So that's the first thing we do is we got to get down to everything you really are in. Removing those things that are bringing you down, like an anchor. We yeah. remove the anchor. Yeah. Remove the thing that isn't serving you. Like Absolutely. What's the one small thing? I did that a couple of years ago with social media. Actually, I was doing a co I was taking coaching course. And one of the challenges was to remove one small thing that doesn't serve you. And I was like, oh, I'm going to get rid of social media. And what I didn't realize I thought, oh, I'll just, I mean, I'll probably last like a couple of weeks. Like I'm an addict, like everybody else. And what I, what I didn't expect was literally within a day, the, there, it was just like this physical sensation mm -hmm. Yes, that I was just like, I was free of something. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I got to think, I was like, gosh, I don't, a couple of days, a couple of weeks. I'm like, I don't. I don't miss this. I totally understand. I actually go on social media sabbatical twice a year. Yeah. Normally it's August. Um, <laughs> and then sometime during the winter. Yeah. 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 I think that's a, 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 a powerful thing that it's another practice, right? That everybody could implement. Yes. That is, I mean, yes, of course, sometimes you have to use it for work or, or what have you, but um, but I think it goes back to the boundaries, you know, Yes. and they were designed. These tools were designed to be addictive. Yes, absolutely. And, right. And so we're all like, you know, um, we're all addicted and, uh, but I think it's, it, it is, it's just going back to, okay, well, does this serve me? How well does it serve me? Is there a boundary I can put in place? Cause once I have that, I felt free. I think that's actually how I felt. I actually just felt, I felt free once I let that go. You know, it, it's interesting that you're talking about these um, these apps, these services, period, mm. that are set up to be addictive. Uh, Carisha Moore, she's the CEO of uh, Usher's New Look Foundation. And she said one of the things that she did that was life-changing, she stopped using her phone as her alarm. Like she bought an old-fashioned clock yeah. and set that so that in the mornings, she gets out of the bed, turns it off, 
And then there is no desire to grab the phone to turn it off and then get caught up in the stream because the stream is email and it's missed calls and it's text messages and it's social media notifications. And you blink and an hour has gone by and you don't even realize it. Mm-hmm. And the peace that you had waking up that morning in the silence of the day, because most of us wake up before our families, it is totally gone because of some craziness that you have seen. I, I call those emergencies because it's, it's, it is drama. It's a full emergency. And yet it has heightened your blood pressure. Your breathing is now coming in a lot faster and your nerves are shot. And you've not even started your day, Robin. Yeah. You've not even started your day. That's right. The whole chemical flood, right? There's this chemical cocktail that our body has produced and it's the cortisol and the adrenaline and the, you know, all, all of these things. And you, you do that often enough and it's this compounding effect Yes. to where you were and you were like, I just can't, like, I'm, I'm completely burnt out. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're passed out in the floor with your child. Yeah. Bed. Yeah. 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 That's how I and it. it's, but it's taking you some time. So it's, you know, it's like, uh, I, I think we like to think we just snap our fingers, right? Like I love the IG, I love, I dream of genie and that, like I'm older. Yeah. So I remember like I dream of genie and it's like you, the rubbing the, the magic lamp and it just happens. Um, but these things take time. Absolutely. And using your analogy with I dream of genie, Whenever Larry Hagman made a wish, it never turned out quite the way he had in mind. True. <laughs> so it was always a process to get what he was trying to actually accomplish done. And and life is like that too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it sure is. It sure is. Things don't always quite turn out the way you expect them to, but I do often think that they turn out better than them. Oh, I totally agree. Um, I believe that life is always working for our good. I am at the place now where I look at every experience, even the bad ones, especially the bad ones, as an opportunity for me to grow. Um, I actually taught a class last week and I said, just imagine for one moment if you are the silver lining to that cloud. Mm. Wow, And that the cloud is the opportunity. For one moment, just imagine that this is your chance to develop some skill, to meet a person, to shed some weight, some guilt about whatever. And so that you can move on and evolve to your next level of whatever it is you have in your mind to do. Yeah. And when you look at it from that perspective, like all of this is happening for me, there is a, a positive sensation that just comes over you. Your mind opens up and now you're able to be creative and to be in flow in a way that you couldn't just two minutes prior. Yeah. Yeah. It's like just learning how to be kind to yourself. Yes, right? absolutely. Offering yourself the same empathy and compassion that you would your friend or, you know, uh, somebody that you knew that was going through something 
And that's just a really hard lesson to learn. It's like, I, you know what? I deserve the same kind of empathy and compassion that I would give to, to my friend who was struggling. Right. But I'm going to listen to my inner critic and my judge is going to beat the absolute tar out of me and tell me how wrong I am and how many mistakes I made. And, you know, the, the list starts to build. And like you said, it's like, well, but is there any truth here? You know, um, this must have been about two years ago, maybe. I was serving as president of an organization uh, for lawyers. And one of our members was going through, I mean, like when I tell you step by step what I went through years ago when my child was small. And she was reacting to it the same way I did. Initially, it was total and complete denial. And I remembered being in leadership positions and not being able to perform like I used to because I was tired and I was sick and people offering to help and looking at them like they were trying to imply like I was incompetent, like there was something wrong with me. But now being on the other side, looking and saying that they saw that I was struggling because it was physically on me. You could see it. If you look at some of the pictures, I'm just like, wow, I was really going through it, right? <laughs> Uh, they were practicing a level of empathy and compassion because some of them, they had the rights, Robin. If they had cut me off and not wanted to be friends or connected anymore, I could not have said a thing. But that's not the way they were. And so here I was on the other side of it, totally on the other side of the pond looking across. And I was able to be patient and kind and loving, even in the space of everything that was going on. And it reminded me, of when I was small and learning to swim. And our instructor said, it is difficult to save somebody who is drowning because no matter how strong a swimmer you are, if they are wild and they are panicking, they're going to take you down. And so that's why you're taught to come at them from the back mm. and get them around the neck and pull them that way. And I was like, and I had to do the same for her. Mm -hmm. And so everything that I was doing, I had to go behind her and just be quiet about it. And so by the time she realized it was done, it was too late. You're already saying we're, we're on the, we're on the beach now. <laughs> but I don't know if I would have actually been able to exhibit that level of compassion if I hadn't gone through it myself. We all would like to think that we would. Yeah. But I'm at a place where I, I can't honestly say that that not that version of it. Now, now, yes. Then no way. Yeah. Gosh, I want you on my corner. <laughs> yes, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, that is uh, it's powerful when you have friends who can come behind, come behind. Right. They do. They absolutely come behind you. It reminds me when I uh, was a single mom and my kids were little and I had some friends that were very powerful in my life and they really stood in the gap. Yes. And, um, I just, there was one couple that they would get my daughter off the bus and cause our daughters were the same age and she would get off the bus and she would go to their house and start her homework. Oh. And, you know, it was probably an hour before I would get there to pick her up. But I just, after the fact, I, there were so many things about that, that, that I was so grateful for. Yes. And 
you know, they saved me money because I didn't have to put her in, in childcare. They, you know, taught her the discipline of getting home and, and doing your homework because my daughter wasn't then home with her brothers who were older, who were, you know, eating all the snacks and playing all the video games. Right. So, <laughs> um, you know, so there was, you know, they taught her some discipline with just get it home and get it done. And just, you know, these friends who came in, uh, and, and stood in the gap for me in that way. And they came behind me. So that analogy of rescuing the swimmer, gosh, I just kind of put those pieces together. It's like, yeah, they just came in behind me. Like I'm going to stand in the gap and just fill in the gap for you because you can't do it yourself. And I'm your friend and I love you. And I have compassion for you where you are. Yes, absolutely. Yes. And you know, when you were talking about, I have to remember to pick up my kid. And sometimes you're going so much that you, you actually had to pause. Um, I remember before children and all the rest of it, working with a lady who, you know how you know where you're headed because you're working, but you don't ever believe that could be you. I remember her getting a call from daycare and then saying, your baby is sick. And she actually said, what baby? I know. No, you can laugh. You can laugh. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> but I'm I'm laughing because I'm like, I just like, oh my God. Yes, exactly. And all of us just froze like, oh. And I was like, oh no, 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 no. I changed that job immediately. I came home and told my husband and he was like, you can't stay there. <laughs> There's too much stress going on there. Do not stay, yeah. run away. It took her a moment to come to herself. And, and I listened to him on that. I did find something else. Um, but even watching that happen there, being removed from that situation did not remove what was going to happen to mm -hmm. me and my what baby moment. Yeah. Yeah. We've all had them. We've all yeah. had them. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. It Absolutely. is. Uh, and it's just, I think it just goes back to life as, um, it is overwhelming and stressful if we let it be right. It's like just putting, it's like the horse of the blinders, right? They wear them for a reason. That's right. The boundaries, right? Yes. Like it's like the tunnel vision isn't all bad. No, no, it's not all bad. You know, your flaps are movable. So you can, That's right. you know, you can still turn your head and be like, yeah, maybe I really do want to go that way. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I just, uh, so tell, tell us about like what's going on with your book. So this okay. is exciting. And do you have some events coming up? So, yes. So my book, we launched in December and I was so grateful because we hit number one in a couple of categories on Amazon. Congratulations. Thank That's huge. Thank you so much. Um, and I, I was thrilled because it meant that people were ready to have this conversation because I've been talking about this for quite some time. This is my fifth book and I pretty much stick with women in leadership. And so I'm constantly saying, go girl, go, we can do this. Right. But this was a shift. This was really, yes, we can, but should we, <laughs> you know, yes. we can, we can do all things. And we've all accomplished all these wonderful things, yet there is still this void between success and happiness, and we have to learn to fill that with joy. And so I've been out spreading this, coming on wonderful shows like yours, Robin. 
speaking at various events. Um, I actually have a conference coming up this fall of September with Amy Walker. Um, I have some workshops coming and I am really excited about my Leading Through Living Academy that I've developed to walk people through the steps on how to stay joyful, even as my daughter would say, life be life. <laughs> life yep. is just going <laughs> <Love> on. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steal that from her. Oh, <laughs> yes. I, I'm happy to share. No problem. No problem. And so um, my, my biggest thing is really just letting folks know that you can have it all. It's just going to come at different periods of time. And it's only going to come with joy when we learn to be in the present and just be. Yeah. 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 That's a lovely message. And I think it's just, it's so fitting for this time in our world where things are so busy mm -hmm. and, um, and negative, right? There's so much negativity out there. And that's part of the reason why I started this podcast. I'm like, there are some amazing people out in the world doing amazing things and bringing joy and encouragement and positivity, um, not to, you know, we, we need, we need awareness of what's going on in the world, but. It, it can be so, um, weighty and it can really just pull us down. And I was like, I want to shift the narrative to like, yeah, there's some of this stuff out here is true, but, but there's also this truth where there are incredible humans doing incredible things yes. in service of other humans. Yes. You know, using your, like you're using your story of absolute burnout and, and turning that into like, you can do the things, you can have the things, but you got to just rein it in, right? Yes. Just, you know, those, those boundaries create freedom That's and right. what you're providing for women is freedom. That's exactly right. Yes. yes. And it's just, it's so fitting for what I think, uh, what the human experience is right now is that you're just providing an opportunity of freedom for other women. Well, I do my best. Um, and I'm always honest with saying that some days um, are better than others. Of course. That's just like, that's life, life being life, right? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And, you know, I, I caution people to let them know we had a pattern. You lived a certain number of years under this old concept, this old paradigm, right? And so sometimes even after you're in this joyful place, that old life is going to start to try and call for you to bring you back in because it's familiar. And if you slip and fall back into it for a moment, don't beat up on yourself. Yeah. Don't beat up on yourself. Know that there is something about whatever you're going through right now that was a trigger and identify it so that you are prepared for next time and you're good to go. Yeah. And like you just said, I mean, you're literally saying these things to yourself. And yes. you're saying them with such like a kind and empathetic look on your face. Yeah. And it's like, you're speaking to yourself with the empathy and the kindness is like, Oh, you, know, you slipped up here. Okay. There's a lesson. Move on sister. Like don't stay there. That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't stay down. Right. Cause that doesn't serve you. Not at all. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, Lanita, I love to end with words of encouragement. And I feel like you've said so many words of encouragement. (laughs) Um, what would you, you know, what, what would you say to somebody who's like, okay, like I'm, 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 I'm almost there. Like I'm almost there to start like peeling the onion and, uh, and making the assessment. Like, what would you say to them? I would say you're not almost there. You're there. And the onion has already started opening up. That's why you're crying. You feel that. And the keys to living life on fire, a life full of peace, joy, and fulfillment start with you setting the standard for your own life of excellence rather than perfection. Mm -hmm. Because I promise you, the person standing next to you is going through this same conversation, having the same dialogue. And guess what? You're at a place where you're ready to make a decision. So just pull the trigger. Just do it. And this is for you. Everyone else around you will benefit. But this, this you're doing for you. Mm -hmm. I had goosebumps. That was awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, yes. (laughs) The time is now, if not now, when, right? If not now, when? Yeah. Well, Lanita, we'll put all of the ways to contact you in the show notes and uh, links to your book. And I personally cannot wait to read it. Um, And it is, this has been such a gift and a blessing. And I just can't thank you enough for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, Robin. I really appreciate it. And for those who are saying to themselves, I don't have time to read. Guess what? It's on Audible. So you can listen in the car as you're running around with the kids and the family. That's right. No excuses. That's right. (laughs) 